Paul Costable. I'm a host, a writer, producer, and well, why don't I just show you? You nailed it, great team. I first started when I wanted my own talk show right here on the streets of New York. So I made one in the middle of Times Square with a cardboard desk. Hey, Times Square, what's up, everybody? Then I came to iArt after harassing celebrities with a camera for a little while. I became the face of the brand, doing fun bits and interviews with pretty much everyone. I, 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 listen, you woke me up. Yes. Morning. Morning. Oh, wow. Hi. <laughs> so excited! Rapping to the ones and two, let's get silly, yo. Yeah, my name's uh, Ed, he's uh, a super guy. He's oh. like super fly, like hey. Jay-Z and Jay-Z. Teach me that in a very short time right now. So why am I telling you all this? Well, I just wanted to introduce myself and say hello to you guys, because you've probably talked to enough agents, you've seen enough reels, and this is just more me. Paul Costabile here, comedian host, and make sure you listen to the Burn Down Podcast. It's a good time, guys. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Burndown. Today's guest, we have someone who's a TV host. He's a comedian. He's a writer. He's a producer, even an entertainment reporter, and of course, a cigar smoker. And that man is no other than Paul Costable. Fellas, thanks for having me. What's up? We, uh, we are here in cold New York, Long Island, and you look to be out in sunny California with a beautiful quaff going on. Thank you. You know, I'm from Jersey. I'm an East Coaster. I go all the time. But this time of year, you really do lean into this and you make your family and friends feel terrible because it's beautiful. So let me ask, do you miss the snow at, at all? No. <laughs> this happens to us out here. I, I like snow. The only time I like snow is when I was living in the city and you could enjoy it falling and you can say, I'm not going into work. I'm going to the bar. It's 11 a.m. And then I don't have to shovel because the city's doing it. Like there's no work. And you can kind of do anything. I, that's the only time I like snow in New York. Now, that do you first uh, fall? Were you like a skier or a snowboarder at all? No, I did. I did like a little snowboarding in Jersey growing up here and there, but never like I was like very uh, risk into risk when I was a kid. I broke a bunch of bones, so I I broke like my, you know, my collarbone snowboarding and did all this crazy stuff. So I was a skateboarder. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Cause that's usually when people, you know, like I said, my fiance and I are snowboarders, so we love the snow. We go up into the mountain snowboard. But if you're not into the the snow stuff, it's like people are just like, I fucking hate the snow. I want to get out of yeah. here. <laughs> I, you, know, you have to go. Yeah. You have to. You have to utilize it. If you don't, then it's like, all right, it's good for you know December, and then it's no more. I'm one of those guys because I don't but, snowboard or ski. Yeah, it becomes it becomes work, you know, and it becomes gross. It becomes slush, you know, especially in the city. It's like, it, it's like gross oh yeah the city yeah the city snow is way different than like upstate mountain snow yeah <laughs> upstate mountain snow is gorgeous yeah yeah that's, when that's you can a great enjoy point it. that's a great point so where are you where are you originally from in jersey so i'm from a town called hillsdale right by paramus not too far from the george washington bridge sure, sure. um family history it's fun just meeting you guys too i want people to know this is like my first instagram bromance happening in real life i saw your reels i gotta tell everybody yes. i saw your reels i was going viral i watched it like five times i'm like I feel like I know these guys. I feel like I, this is my type of humor and my type of guy. Followed you. Like, it's funny how that happened, though. It's how, like, it's like internet discovery, right? Absolutely. That's the, and, that's the uh, beauty of it. And it was funny, too, as I immediately looked at you guys. And I was like, there's no way these guys aren't from New York. <laughs> like, I'm like, I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, there's not like Midwest town or some shit. I'm like, no, no, no. They're definitely New Yorkers or something. Um, but anyway, I 
family was from Italy originally and then went to New York City, the Bronx, and, and then roots in Brooklyn, and, and then eventually New Jersey is where everybody settled. So I was born there. My whole family's from there. And, and now I'm newly out here, which is still like an adjustment, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, once you can take a real good look at somebody and 75% of the chance you can tell whether from New York, New Jersey, like it's like, yeah, just that little factor. pocket right there. You're like right? you're, you're from Queens, you're from Brooklyn style. Like you're from like, and each one almost has like a distinct, distinct, you know, trait or personality. You can be like, Oh, per- Brooklyn, Jersey, Long Island. It's really right. wild. Like no other place in the world or in the country. You can kind of decipher people. Not like Florida. You can be like, oh, this person's from Orlando, Miami, you know, Fort Lauderdale. Right. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You're right. It's a unique bubble of, of us crazy stunads, I feel like. Are you uh <laughs> That's right. are you guys in Long Island? I am, yes. Yeah. So okay. we're bo- I'm we're both born and raised in Long Island. And then I recently just or not recently, about three years ago, I moved up to lower Westchester. So I'm right outside the city. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cool. Right outside the Bronx, too. So nice, man. It's uh, it's a different way of living, you know. Highest property taxes in the nation. So, oh my God, yeah. Next, wow. next. I mean, I think next to California in uh, probably L.A. is is yeah, right not- up there with New York. So, yeah. yeah. I uh, so I just got married three months ago. So now we're looking for houses and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know. <laughs> what, what what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing yeah. here? <laughs> oh, congrats, man! That's awesome. Appreciate it. I know, I know, you're yeah. a married man, a family man. So you know, we do have yeah. some questions about recently married men. We probably have to get to. Oh so. boy, yeah, definitely. Right. But before we get into that, of course, before we dive into the interview, we got to do what we always do here on the Burnout Podcast. Before we go into it, I had to tell Justin what cigar to get. Because our recent conversation Ooh. on Instagram, you told me one cigar is the best cigar, hands down. So we both have the LFD oh. <laughs> and Delusion Bulls. <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, I can't believe I don't have one. You know, they're actually super rare to find out here. That's my favorite cigar you're smoking. Oh, uh, bro. Uh, they're very hard I'm to honored. get. I'm honored. And uh, I was like, man, I think I have one in my humidor. And I know Justin definitely has one. So I was like, we got to smoke it. It's only right. Dude, I'm so honored you do that. Thank you so much. You're gonna love it. You're gonna. I'm sure you know it's an experience. Those cigars. Yeah, it's it's a one of a kind oh, yeah. cigar. You know, like you said, it's hard to find. So once you do get your hands on it, you don't really want to smoke it right away. You know, you do like to let it marinate a little bit in the humidor. Sure. But, but uh, we are here smoking for you with LFD and the I appreciate bowl. that. I wish I was able to to get one myself. But this is like, I'll show you what this is, which is a, oh. my father's cigar. That's one of his favorites. Like, yeah, me too. This is like my. I don't have like a nice Andalusian bowl or something a little bit classier. Nice. This is my like, day, <laughs> this is my day smoker. I'll have this like anywhere I can find these. I'll just smoke these. Cause they're so smooth. Like, like a casual, I give these out to people all the time. Like I'll be like, here, I have it. Cause it's just a perfect middle ground stick. You know, I Dude, really that's, like ex- it. that's exactly what I say. That is my go-to have to have it in the humidor at all times, which is why I pulled Same. it out. I have it in my travel humidor right here. I was going to wow. smoke that one. Yeah. I was going to smoke that one. He goes, no, you got to get LFD, uh, an Andalusian bowl. I was like, all right, well, so look, I'm, go get the bowl. I'll smoke this for you. You smoke that for me. It's like, you know, bang, there we go. Each other don't. That's it. <laughs> and that what? that's the My Father, La Florida. Uh, no, My Father. Yeah, Florida Las Antillas. There you go. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Perfect. Great yeah, stick. So I don't know why I, I love this one, man. And I just was the other day, like in a pinch with some, like looking for some cigars in town. And I just ran into a random smoke shop and they, ha- like they, a lot of places have these too. Yeah. Which is why it's convenient. 
Yeah, and it's a great bang yep. for your buck too because I mean, well, in here in New York, I mean, it's the tax kind of hiked it up a little bit, but it, it was you know you can get it online. It's usually like a ten ten dollars stick, maybe a little bit less if you get it in a box. And for the oh. eight to twelve dollars range, wherever you can find it, it's a killer smoke, yeah, super okay. smooth, yeah. great flavor. So one thing I always do with this, with I like that comes with the red ribbon. This is so funny and kind of Don Corleone. I always put it on my pinky when I'm smoking it. <laughs> I love it, love it. And then and then you sit with people, and after a while, they're like, "You have a pinky ring?" I go, "No, but I just do this. It's like a habit I do with this thing." So I'll share with you guys. This is the show to share my weird cigar habits. Hey, man, we all have our little quirks with cigars, so it's all good. I love it. Right. So I'm going to attempt. I think I got your last name down. So it's Paul Costabile. Yes. Perfect. Wow, this guy did some research over here. I did. You know what? I I I was like, you know what? I'm not going to mess it up. I watched you on one podcast. I think it was like a dad podcast. And you actually said your last name, like not someone else saying it. So I was like, all right, perfect. So that's exactly how he says his last name. So I had to practice it a Thank few you. times. Paul Costabile. Yeah. Because I mean, Thank you. you are a professional interviewer. You interview get like, high-end celebrities. So I said, he's not, you know, we're going to be on his, our podcast. We got to make sure we're coming equipped. I appreciate that, man. I, in, this, in show business, it's been this weird like, I don't know what to do with my name, but I, I do think about, like, my grandpa, I'm so, like, sentimental. My grandfather came over on a boat with nothing. I'm like, I got to keep, if you say it right, you can remember it. I, I, I go through so many phases, like, make it simple, make it easy. You know, I do a lot of stand-up. People are butchering it every night on stage. I'm like, you know, I'm just going just gonna to let it rock. Just let it ride because people want you to be yourself, you know? So, so how, many, how many times do people say costable? That's what I grew up with. So the, the, the pretentious part of the story that my family makes fun of me for is I learned Italian later in life. And I just, once I learned the language, I was like, I'm not saying it wrong anymore. I can't say it the wrong way. Right. Like the Americanized way, it's wrong. So I started saying it that way. And, and the fun thing is now my daughter, you know, she only knows her name the Italian way. So it's like, I changed the generational thing. As my grandparents in the 50s, they kind of got a little more Americanized with how they said it, just to kind of assimilate. Right. So I... Uh, I'm now back in this generation. I'm like, no, we're going back to the roots. So when I'm in Italy, if I, say, if I say my last name in Italy, people are like immediately, they go, oh, Costabile. Like they know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So it's just, it's all good. I'm an Italian-American, proud Italian-American, a little bit of both. There we go. Hey, there brother. you go. Salo, cheers. Chin, chin. Thank you for chin, being cheers. on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're, let's do it. We're drinking coffee, by the way, our favorite uh, pairing here on the program. Yeah, I had a oh, little nice. bit of a, I had a little bit of a long uh, weekend. My, uh, my brother from another mother got married, so I was. Uh, <laughs> he was the best man, to say the least. Too. I was on the struggle bus. Oh, this <laughs> congrats, congrats! Thank you, thank That's you. Awesome. Yeah, so coffee it is right now, but yeah, usually, usually Justin's the upbeat guy, always high energy, like always positive. Oh, so, I'm good. I'm good right now. No, you're but... good now. Not when I first saw you. <laughs> no, I was on the. <laughs> I walked in. I'm knocking on his door. He's not coming to the door. I'm like texting him. I'm like, dude, I'm here. And he's like, I thought you would have just came in. And I'm like, no, I always knock and wait for you. And he's just, he's like lugging. He's like, oh, what's up? And I'm like, dude, you're all right, man. Like, we got to get it going. So he's got to get rocking. Well, we had, it was a early, it was an early morning. Uh, it was like an 11 a.m. wedding. So we were up at like five o'clock in the morning, oh. which wasn't a big problem. But it's not the waking up early. It was the staying up late. Cause it was a five, uh, 11 o'clock wedding. And then you had the after party that started at like six and it goes until friggin' midnight. So you're just. All day. Rocking all day Dude, long. Weddings, weddings. I'm sure you know, weddings are a marathon. You know, so there's a lot going on. It's a nonstop day, drinking on your Ugh. feet. And it was oh, a New York City wedding, nonetheless. So, yeah. oh goodness nice. gracious. Yeah, but, New York. You know, New York, New Jersey. I'm sure California is the same, but 
the weddings are like way over the top as always. Like I had some friends come from Texas and they're like, like people. It's a whole production. It is. Oh yeah. Crazy. So it was, uh, it's interesting. So So, let's, let's, uh, you kind of give us a background a little bit who you're from, where you, where you, you know, where you come from, your name, how you are. Now, how did you get into show business? How did that whole journey start? It's funny. It's actually tied to weddings. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, great segue. I mean, when you're an interviewer for so long, you just think in segues. You know, you go, oh, okay, here goes this, we're going to there. Segway, always. Um, segway. Now I'm cheesy about it. I just say I'm doing a segue. I've done it. But uh, my dad was in a wedding band growing up, so I was around like entertainment tri-state area i probably you know there's a very high chance i was at a wedding in your orbit in the 90s or 2000s like literally like every wedding in the area i was either roadieing early on in my life and then i became a dj and an mc and i'm also a drummer so i played in wedding bands and so i was around weddings and that's sort of when i first started being on a microphone in front of people and you do the cheesy stuff as the wedding dj especially where we're from you know you do all the the jokes and you're doing this and you're hitting on the mom and you know you're like you're doing your dj mc thing and that kind of was the first thing that i when i was super young i was like 14 you know doing these things making great cash you know like other than my friends working at like restaurants or delivery like i was like at weddings gigging and so that was the first time i was really in front of people entertaining people really and i thought that's when i first got bit by like i want to do this more and i studied tv i did the tv club in high school was doing comedy videos in high school that then led me to study it in college and uh really take it seriously and i wanted to be like really in media and, and tv and then that kind of branched out to all the forms from that point of like improv comedy first then doing stand-up and then doing then eventually led me to being a, like a full-time interviewer but it took a long time to get that job title but essentially it's my favorite job is talking to people and all walks of life, like you guys and, and, you know, meeting and then also making it fun and making it comedic. Yeah. Cause you're, you're like a Jack of all trades. You're a, you're an entertainer. You're a host, you're a, a comedian an interviewer. Like you do a lot of different things. So kudos to you for working that hard. Thanks man. Thank you. Too many. Uh, and it keeps changing. You know, it's the one thing about show business that I think I sort of love and hate, but it's like the, the roles always change. And, and uh, I've actually written a lot more in the past year than I've ever written. And I'm falling in love with that. Like I love writing and, and doing stuff in the scripted side, which was, it's just new for me really. So, um, so when you say, when you say writing, are you writing, um, are you writing plays? Are you writing movies? Are you writing books? Like what's, what, what do you mean by when you say you're writing? Uh, it's kind of mixed in with the stand-up part of a writing comedy, but then I also um, I have a, a writing job for this tech company that I'm basically doing comedy sketches for them, like the commercials. And the 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 big thing this year that is making me take it more seriously is we just had a Super Bowl commercial that I wrote air during the big game, and I hate being I hate flexing that to you guys just meeting you, but it's a it's a good it's a stepping stone, you know, point for me as a writer because it was you know when you have something that is in here that you want to see come to life and then millions of people are seeing it it was just a new new experience for me and it making me think a lot harder about like going to the paper of course it's cliche though i moved to la i moved to hollywood now i'm a screenwriter right like, <laughs> like every like every single person i see here of course <laughs> so what was so so this super super bowl commercial this was the one um i believe it was uh, the old old presidents wasn't it was it yeah. the old um, yeah? Put on the wigs and all that stuff, right? Yeah, don't worry about flexing. You flex all you so want. I want to hear where. So where did this like idea come from? How did it just like pop in your head? Like, oh wow, this is what I, this would be a cool commercial. I can't take full credit, but the the company I work for is cool, and they're open to the kind of the comedy side of stuff. And they 
we were developing a history campaign, which is basically a bunch of historical. We had the idea, I thought it'd be funny to go back in time and see people with modern technology in this, this company. And so we had a bunch of them, caveman, we had the, the moon landing. We haven't even done the moon landing when we did a caveman, when we kept thinking about historical events. And then the constitution popped in because I thought it'd just be funny to see the, the founding fathers be kind of like dummies, especially because we like look up to their history so much. And we look to the prestige of writing the constitution, signing the declaration of independence. So I thought it'd be funny if they just were all idiots um, for a commercial. So amazing. And, and we ended up making it the declaration of independence. It wasn't the, it originally was the constitution, but, and things get, you know, you, you work with really talented people that make it better and better. So it wasn't just me, obviously, but, but you make it funnier with the team and on set, we just made them doofier. Like we made poor the state of John Adams should sue me. They haven't, but we just like made him the dumbest guy. <laughs> he, he wasn't, but for some reason, like, it'd be funny if he's just a doofus. Like that's, it makes no sense. Right. But that's, what's fun about the creative of that type of stuff is you can just take license and make it funnier. And audiences, uh, I think just want something to be funny and quick. So it didn't really matter. And everyone's dead. So it was great. And that's, <laughs> that's what comedy's about too. It's like, you know, it's you're, you're, like you said, he wasn't a dumb guy. He clearly was not a dumb guy. He was a very intelligent guy, but you're like, it'd be kind of funny if he was dumb and you just make, and you just make a skit about it. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's people out there that are roasting you. How could you do that? And they're like, dude, just calm down. Okay. It's a skit. It's funny. Just take it for what it is. Take Comedy. It easy. Take it easy. Relax. Okay. I, and I, yeah. and I, so I, we ended up following each other like right before the Super Bowl. So I saw you were posting stuff about the commercial. So I was like, Oh, yeah. and I was, I was like, Justin, I'm like the guy we're trying to get on a podcast. He's going to be in the Super Bowl commercial. So I were watching the Super Bowl at my friend's house and the commercial comes on. And I was like, yo, See that guy right there? I'm getting my podcast. Everyone's like, really? Uh, okay, Eric. I was like, he's coming on. Uh, no, 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 no. You just click. Oh. Click up. Yeah, I didn't even nice. I didn't even know it until he told me afterwards. He's like, yo, you remember that commercial? I was like, yeah. He goes, that's the guy we're getting. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> that's great. That's great. It was a first for me, man. It was an honor. Like, it was really cool to have it go to that scale, you know? And and uh to 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 have people like, cause it, it aired in different times. So we had people in New York hit me up. Then I had people out here hitting me. It was just cool, a cool night, you know, to experience that. And funny story, I lost Wi-Fi. It's probably gonna happen here again in the area, right at the halftime show at my house. And my buddy who worked on it with me, we were like, shit, what are we gonna do? We, we it, it was actually amazing. We, we ran in my car super fast to a bar around the corner, got out, got in, ordered two mezcals on the rocks, Got our drinks, looked up, and the commercial aired. It was crazy. What like, what, a cool, what a better experience, though. Yeah, we're like, oh! And the <laughs> bar saw it. The guy gave us a free like free drinks. It became like a little party at this bar. That's a great moment. Yeah, because so if you would have had cool. Wi-Fi, it wouldn't have been as special because you would have just saw it right there. But that, because you had to run out of there. It was... So how oh, it reminded me of not having cable in New York. I used to go watch TV finales at bars <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yep. I had channel 2 through 13 until I was like, Pretty much out of high school. <laughs> okay. Right, exactly. How long did it how long did it take to do all that makeup and hair and stuff? Oh, these guys, I mean, being at that level of a production, they they had top notch people in LA and we had movie people. Hair and makeup was multiple hours. I mean, we did a fitting the day before. These are people that do like the movies and stuff. So it was cool. I had a bald cap. It was like it was funny to do it the right way and, and really make it look that way. That's and awesome. and that's what's been fun about writing is when you write something that can be made with really creative people, like like the right way, it's super rewarding. And it's just made me want to do it more, you know, especially when you when you have the backing of a company, it's it's a lot 
more fun, I think, than just trying to do it yourself. And so, so going back to your early days, saying you had a lot of people backing you and a lot more help, your your first show, Gorilla Late Night, right? Yeah. Now, is that is that due to guerrilla marketing? Because I watched a little bit of it, and I'm like, guerrilla marketing is like in your face, yeah. like all over the place. Yep. And you were running around the city, and like just doing your late night talk show around everybody. So is, yeah. is that how you came up with the name, first of all? Yeah. First of all, I'm honored you guys are bringing this up because it's like my first segue into doing what I do now. So thank you for like knowing it. Um, it was my first jump into this like host role I've had ever since. I took my DJ money and I paid for a crew that was still in college to go do a late night show. And this is at a time when yeah. there weren't a lot of late night shows and there weren't a lot of web shows. It wasn't like, I I know I sound old, but there was like YouTube shows, but there wasn't like late night talk shows. It was like 2009, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a long, yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But it was a risk that really taught me how to write and produce a show myself. We had three cameras at 43rd and Broadway and my cameraman at the time, I just met up with him out here because he was filming the Super Bowl. He's like one of the most sought after film, you know, production guys and shooters now. He was testing out his early, you know, we just graduated college. So we'd bring 20 foot jibs, like big cranes into Times Square, like super illegal stuff. We were just trying to make a show happen. We had dollies out there and I got one (laughs) permit for one camera and the cops would always come and I would just be like, look, we got a permit from the mayor's office. And they if you had the permit, they would, this is at that time. It's actually been, it's a lot harder now, I think. Yeah, of course. We would just get away with it. We got friendly with the cops. But what I always tell people is like, you know, I was 21 years old. I had a dream to be a host and an interviewer and do comedy. And it was at a time where we just, we just went and did it. And my career has sort of always been that way. Like I, like I haven't stopped. There's something I want to do. I just go try it and do it. And I think that's the generation of the internet now too. You guys have a show here, like go make it. And, and that's sort of been the mentality ever since. I wasn't hired to host and interview people professionally for like another six or seven years after that thing. No, maybe. Yeah. Like actually as a title. So it was me kind of put myself out there, but yes, gorilla, because it was pop up. It was like gorilla, like up, oh, we're here. We're doing a show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bang. Right in your in face. Here it is. I thought that was so and cool. And I do want to thank you so much. And I want to tell you guys, cause this is about this, something I like to start promoting a little bit is, we sort of rebooted the concept 10 years later because I still believe in the cardboard desk, which I have in that show. And we took it across the country to small mom and pop shops in small towns. And we're about to reboot it and bring it back out with a kind of a new flavor. It's called the pop-up show, which is basically the same idea. We pop up in small towns and do a whole show. Wow. But it's a little more, it's less late night. It's a little more travel variety. We interview old people. We talk to a guy named Mountain Man in New Hampshire. We go to, to D.C. and talk to the oldest lady in D.C., 105. I go to dinner with her. Like, It's a kind of a heartfelt comedy, older version of that show. So I'm proud of that as well. It's coming out soon. And where are you, got, where are you looking to, um, to broadcast? Is it going to be you know, on, on the Internet? Is it going to be like a YouTube show? Is it gonna, are you going to try to sell it to like a Netflix? So Netflix turned us down. It's funny that. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, it's funny. It's funny talking to you guys about Gorilla because – you know, naively, I always thought maybe I'd be able to get a deal or something. And I've gone back to the same thinking I had then, which is like, I, I made this show. I just had to put it out. It's been sitting on an edit shelf with my team for a little bit. And like, we're so proud of it. We just want to release it. So we're going to self-publish it on YouTube and social and try and build a little bit of an audience around it and see where it goes from there. But I've been talking to networks and streamers for a while. And it's just a different time. And I don't think it's a loss because at the end of the day, it's still like my vision. And so I could just put it out and see... And all my idols, if I think about it in comedy, do that. You know, you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you it's good. And we spent money and went and made it. 
So like, I, you know, it wasn't like I was hoping the concept would work. We went and did six episodes. So love it. Yeah. Um, so the concept, the concept, it, it worked. It's done. It's made. And now it's just a matter of presenting it. Yeah. Presenting it. So it's not like, like you said, it's not like, oh, it's still in my head and we haven't created it. It's done. It's finished. And now it's just, okay, how are we going to market this? How are we going to get it out there? Yeah. I've always been delusional about what I want to do with my career. And so I just go like, I want to go, I want to do gorilla again, but I want to go to small towns. And then we just made it happen. I was able to take my experience in, in TV for so long and, and use a lot of really great people from NBC, people from like, you know, really high level people to go make something at that level. And I think I forget sometimes I've been doing it for a while, like um, that you still have to have that hustle mentality, you know, and most, some of those famous people in the world I've met think that way. They do, you know, they go and they make shit happen. So absolutely. I mean, uh, what, what's that quote, how that quote goes? Imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions. Right. So if you can just if you can think it up in your head, like, why can't you just make it make it happen? Cap. Why can't you make it happen? Like, I love it. I love it. So it, so is it because I love this show? Is it a more intimate and more engaging than like Billy on the street? Right. Because Billy on the, the street, new one, the new one, you know, Billy on the street. Right. So the guy, he runs up to random yeah. people around New York City and just yells <laughs> at him and interviews him. And says, hey, give me a, give me a famous woman celebrity for yeah. a dollar, for a dollar. For a dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But your your sounds like it's more intimate. You're actually getting to know people wherever you are. You're not really running up on people and like asking them bizarre questions and yelling at them. We have different features of the show. But yes, we go and meet families. We go talk to people. It's got a little more of a heart, this one. But I do some man on the street. Like, for example, in D.C., I dress as Abe Lincoln and we called it Brutally Honest Abe. And I go around and I, I do yell at people like <laughs> based on what I, our observations that are brutally honest. But it's all it's all mainly feel good. We dressed up as Paul Revere in the, in the Boston area and went on horseback with Paul Revere reenactors. Like we do like it's kind of history meets comedy. So there's a little bit of everything. Uh, but I've always been playful, man. Like I still prank people. I do bits on the streets all the time, but I, I, I never want to be a jerk so even if i'll mess with someone i'll we'll, we'll still make sure it's like kind of fun for everybody like yeah. I, i've made people cry but then i've apologized <laughs> hey well, you, you can only make so many people happy you know yeah. now i do have to bring this up on a side note my my wife is a big fan of your wife so oh was, nice so i said marissa i said do you know who i'm interviewing tomorrow and i said it's christina perry's husband at first no i don't really know female singers so when i first <laughs> when i first googled you it you know it said you know spouse you know, christina perry and i was like who's that sure. and then i just saw the words jar of hearts and a thousand years and i remember the word jar of hearts and i said marissa do you know who this is and she goes yes eric when i picked my wedding dress her song came on it was the deciding factor with her song oh. a thousand years so she's like you oh. have to bring that up and i was like really of course. and she goes yes she goes i put on the dress and I was thinking about it, and then the song "A Thousand Years" came on, and she's like, "All right, this is the one." And she came out and gave everyone the the okay, but she's like, uh, "You have to bring it up." And I'm like, "That's a really interesting fun fact, and how things always come around. It's just bizarre." For sure, right? I mean, I, I there's I'm pretty sure I played that song at weddings when I was DJing long before I ever met her. So it's it's wild how it kind of connects, right? We didn't get married to it, but it's because yeah, she, she, she you know, but we we. You know, we're indebted to it. Obviously, it's that she's done really well with that song, and it's it is funny how it's touched so many people's lives. Like at weddings, like like literally every day, we hear from people, and it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of a timeless thing that she and I were so grateful for. I just take credit for it now. Now that she's my wife, I'm like, yeah, I, I co-wrote it. Yeah, hey, man, what's yours? What's yours is hers. Exactly. And what's hers is yours, man. Right? Isn't that how <laughs> it works, man? 
straight up yeah i love it i love it so i did have to bring that up and just mention that once because i thought that was a really interesting and cool similarity and how that things connect like that for sure man and i yeah and i'm look i'm proud i i'm not weird about it at all like i'm i'm proud of who i married i love my wife like it's uh it's been a blessing for our family and also it's fun to to see it affect so many people and and really be a part of their lives that song and also her career and her music career like she's done a few albums recently um as a parent, so she's done lullaby albums. Now we have other parents coming up and saying, we play your album, wow. we put our daughter to sleep. It's so sweet. So whenever you can make stuff that actually affects people like that, it's super special. And so you guys know, as I love telling it, I mean, wait, you're both, you're married. You, are you? I'll be married in September. Oh, that's right. Okay. So maybe not, not for you guys, but in general, you never know with life and interviews. I interviewed her at my interview job for iHeartRadio in 2013. That's how we met on camera. So yes. like doing what I do and, hustling this career actually led me to my my wife without even knowing it and it's funny looking back like i didn't like you know i wasn't being creepy in the interview but i was totally like who is this woman wow <laughs> you know and i guess i played it right because i didn't like creep her out and i asked her out for a few years after we met on camera and then she finally asked me out a couple of years later but we were playing catch up and for a while that's amazing but it was trippy how this what we're doing here i was gonna joke with you guys you never know who's in or you're interviewing but you're you're spoken for but like it's true you know like you just don't you never life know. is like that well yeah. that's that's funny that you say because like i have a similar scenario with with my fiance is i met her through my career is actually his his dad had hired me you know eight eight nine years ago something like that and i was traveling for my career and i bumped into her in she's from texas and went down for a sales conference and bumped into her and then through career, I'm like, you never know, you know, where you're going to meet somebody. And then a year later, yeah. I, I came back to the same event. And I'm like, hey, is that, is that girl tall, blonde hair, blue eyes? She's still working here? I go, yeah, she'll be in tomorrow. So I'll be back tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah. so it's like, it's See? all, it's the same thing as you. It's like, you're doing something. It's for your career. You never know what's going to happen. And bang, there you go. You meet the woman of your dreams right? that you spend the rest of your life with. <laughs> so I got to be open to it. And also, I, without getting too into the culture of today, like you meet someone at work that you vibe with that you might date date them like all of a sudden this is like not okay yeah the guy the head of cnn just just resigned because he was dating a colleague like 20 years ago <laughs> it's like hey guess what me and Mel melanie are together now yeah. oh cool like why is it a big because i think what? i think people don't realize that you can separate the two like job and home yeah. are two different things like yeah just because you guys work together why can't you go out after work and have a have a drink like, high, what, as long school. as you're still if, i mean okay if it's if it's hindering your performance at work and stuff then maybe it's a, maybe you guys shouldn't but if it's if it's yeah as long as you're still getting it right like i don't understand it yeah yeah i think people are just very very safe these days but i do joke about that like you know in the 20s everybody met at work right i feel yeah, like or, right. or 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 in the town or whatever it was but uh yeah I, we weren't directly under the same paycheck at the time but it's it's funny thinking how it was an interview and um, it was just this moment in time and, and we actually have the all 15 minutes of it on camera That's and we it's a good marriage tool now. I say, Hey, remember the butterflies, like the <laughs> first meeting, what, remember what you thought and you, know, you made up this image of me from first meeting. Let's get back to that. You know, <laughs> That's great. That's something that you'll always have for the rest of your life. You can go back, you know, yeah. 30, 40 years from now, play that. Remember, remember this moment, yeah, babe? Not, remember not this many moment? people have their very first interaction. like on Crazy. camera. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. And, and we played it for our daughter and it, it's trippy because speaking of like the hustle at the time at iHeart, I wasn't really like a host. I was a blogger who wanted to do interviews. So I was hustling at the company just to do what I do. And that room we had 
I just got convinced artists and labels to come in there, but I just like taped a tripod to a cam to a, a camera to a tripod with a, my friend, another blogger, this girl Allie, who was like helping me. It was so sweet. We had no help, so we I hit record, and then I went on set, and artists would walk in. So we literally have like unfiltered moment, like where we first she first walked in. Which once you're working with a crew and stuff, like you don't usually record that. Like we have because of me just trying to like make my way there, it ended up being more special that we had all that footage you know that's right it's kind of yeah. funny it's amazing yeah i love it i love it so Crazy. so speaking speaking of so interviews you know obviously we're interviewing you we interview other guests we wanted to ask you you know what's the best way or what's your number one thing that you make sure that needs to be done during an interview like how to really get connected with somebody you know, this world, you guys are doing a great job and we're on Zoom. I feel like we could be drinking and hanging in person though with your with the way your vibe is. I, and I think it's uh I will, yeah. <laughs> I know. But you I know. But you seem that way. I think it's a com comfort thing. Like my whole career, I've always treated people the same. And I think you guys are similar, like talking to me. It's like don't not getting stuck in what you're trying to achieve and not getting stuck in really like even when I work for people, I've worked for many different shows and sometimes you'll have a producer be like, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Or, or even you have an idea you think you want, but if you're not in the moment and present and just feeling comfortable and just being a human with somebody, it really can ruin the whole thing. And I've always just been a, like that first before I'm like, I don't care that we're filming. I don't care if you're the biggest star in the world or you're, you're not. It's like, let's just be real and hang for a second and have a moment together. And I think that that's always helped me because you have big celebrities sometimes who don't get treated that way. Yeah. You know, they get treated like they're different. They get treated like they're weird you don't think about that when your people are super famous well, a lot of times it's like people get nervous people you know do this the publicist is a jerk there's like all these other factors and i've prided myself on just not giving a shit and just being like hey what's up Absolutely. how's your day going and then if and then if they're not you know sometimes it's a challenge we have to really try and connect but i don't overthink it you know like i think i just naturally love people and want to just have a good time with people and if they're not gelling with me, it's sometimes funny too, because I, I'm like, wait a second, this is not, what am I doing? Like it throws me off. And then you have to meet people where they are and go from there. Like I've had some weird interactions on camera that instead of getting nervous and trying to like overcompensate, I'll just go where the person's going and see and go, Oh wait, there's something maybe funny or interesting here. Let's just like, let's follow that. And it took me many years of like failing, I think. And I'm not an expert now, but, but a lot of times it's like being on stage too. Like when you have silence on stage with stand up, when you first start, and I'm still this way sometimes, you want to overcompensate. You want to fill the air. When sometimes if you're comfortable and you let it sit and then you get your joke or whatever, it's the same with the like, interviews, I feel like. Yeah. No Follow doubt. it, let it, let it, let things happen. I'll just sit there sometimes on interviews and just like let something happen and then we'll get somewhere. And uh, I don't know. It's a long winded answer, but That's no, having I fun, being comfortable. That's I totally no, I totally agree with that too, because it's it's kind of having that balance between you being the the person who's interviewing them. You want to kind of control the conversation because you're obviously you have some questions and you want the interview to go a certain way. But if it's not really vibing in that direction, you kind of want the other person. You can clearly see that they want to go in this direction, so they kind of steer it. You're like, all right, let them steer it because that might that obviously is what they want to talk about yeah. and you want to get them to open up and be comfortable so if they're comfortable talking about this thing whereas you want to talk about it like fuck that i'm not going that direction i'm gonna go here because they want to talk about that and they're more comfortable in that realm so get Absolutely. them comfortable let them talk yeah it, it yeah. took us it took us a while to kind of develop our little structure that's why we usually 
like we send like um like in our email we sent to you like we just re- recently started putting like hey it's very casual it's laid back don't worry about it it's, it's not recorded it's not live and then we give some questions so people can kind of get an idea of what we want to ask and then as you know we highlight it like this this may not be asked. This is to provide structure just in case yeah. the interview doesn't go like like you said. If yeah. you're not really vibing with us, we do have some background questions to be like get back on track. And we also put in there too where if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, you know, be sure to let us know. Or if, here's are some questions. If you don't want to touch them, then highlight those. Like, listen, don't ask that. Yeah. I don't want to talk. Then fine. Sure. We, we certainly won't talk about because, again, we don't want you to be uncomfortable having to answer questions you don't want to answer. Like, that's not the yeah. point of it. Yeah, and that's the biggest part, and why like some like when we soon as soon as we get on on uh, as soon as we get on the Zoom, you know we kind of have that chit chat back and forth to kind of break the ice and kind of get to know who we're interviewing and kind of see you know do we have to be super serious or do we, can we can we lay back and say fuck shit balls all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> which we do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we're the same way. We're all about just making the person feel comfortable and like just relax and like they can just say whatever they want to say and they don't have to feel like prim and proper like they need to talk to us. For sure. Yeah. I think that's what people want now too anyway, especially with podcasts and all forms of interviews. From when I first started interviewing to like now, people don't want cookie cutter bullshit. I mean, I I actually rub up against it if I'm working, you know, as a host and I have like people are asking me to hit like generic. I, I, I think I, to be sane, I always want to just be a little more natural and, and see what's fun and follow that than like being vanilla, which, which by the way, doesn't make me super hireable for certain hosting yeah. jobs. Like I've lost jobs because they say, well, we just want this to be a little bit, you know, safer. And I, and, and I've leaned more into the comedy side. I've said, I, I'd rather be this way. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's taken me many years to be confident about that though for a while in this job. You get people sizing you up, how you look, what you talk like, what you know. And lately, the past few years, I've just gone into this deep end of like comedy and following what's fun with my work and not not worrying so much about being in like a cookie cutter box. I think most people are that way who are successful, especially in the social media realm. Like, you know, people want authenticity. They don't want yeah, fake. Yeah. And I, get, I, hate, I hate fake. I get yeah. a lot of the I, – I got a lot of like inspiration from like – authenticity and just doing your, you know your homework and details i watch um or i used to watch a lot the interview on youtube of the hot ones with the chicken wings yeah they, yeah 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 so that guy would get have crazy questions and like very in-deep questions and people were very impressed about that so i was like i always took notes like all right if we're interviewing somebody make sure we do some background don't just say who are you what do you like mm-hmm. to do you want to like, right. get some interesting questions and as well as this guy um he interviews a lot of hip hop artists. He's out in British Columbia. He's very quirky. Nardwar, have you ever heard of this guy? No. Nard, he's a he's a old. I think he used to be on the radio, but he has these very quirky interviews, and he dresses very crazy, and he meets these rappers, and he he knows so much about them, like their own family members and friends don't know about them, and they're always shocked. Like, how do you know about this about me? How do, who told you this? And he I gets this information. And people, and they're always good interviews because they always give like you don't think of certain questions or certain details sure. about people, and they they're like, "How do you know that?" And I'm, all right, well, I'll tell you about it. Let me tell you. And it's just like, I would have never yeah. have known that. So you, for you, sure, I think what you're touching on is that natural curiosity that I find myself in interviews doing the same thing. Like it comes up, even if you're you know when you prepare, and then you if you're naturally if you care, you're inquisitive. It's going to come out and be a better dialogue, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I, uh, exactly what I was gonna was gonna touch on. Took the words out of my mouth. Is that it's a better dialogue and it turns out to be a better interview if you're just acting natural like you said just being a human being 
and having a conversation, not asking the very cookie cutter questions. Because if you ask the cookie cutter questions, so does the other nine or 10 interviewers that are doing the same interview, especially if it's a big you know, celebrity, they're going through interviews all the time. They get asked the same questions all the time. Yeah. You might right. as well go down the human element of it and be a human to have a conversation and you might get some crazy stories i remember we had a crazy yeah. story about um uh we had a couple uh interviews a couple of guys on here um like football players we had a comedian and we just went to this crazy story about how he got his shot with with you know this guy gave him a shot while he was drinking at a bar at one time and this guy's like oh yeah the one play that i had where i got sacked by ray lewis and it's just crazy stories that you would never hear yeah from a regular cookie cutter interview. And I also think that sure. it helps that we're both in sales. So naturally we do have to care about people and understand people. So I think that also helps our element because we deal with people every yeah. single day. So sure. that's what it's all about. Wait, what do you, what are you two selling besides, you know, gentlemen, stogies and great hair? I mean, what, what are you talking about? So I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, constru- okay. I'm in construction sales. Nice. Nice. And Justin, I'm in. Uh, I sell computer chips, for lack of a better term. He's, a, he's oh, an cool. electrical engineer. Yeah, so it's uh, nice. it's uh, semiconductors is the technical term, but I always say semiconductors, and then people look at me like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I'm like, "It's the shit that's inside your cell phone." Like, yeah, yeah. that's crap. Computer <laughs> okay. chips. Okay. So like, if the world cool. goes, goes, if the if the machines start attacking us, it's probably our chips. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. So yeah, so, yeah we'll, we'll call you. We'll call yeah, you call when me. That, when that, that, no, yeah, so. Nice. So I'm going to pull one out of your book, Segway here. Segway. Um, nice. <laughs> so segue. cigars. Yes. Okay. Yes. Obviously, we're smoking cigars right now. This is the, the reason why we have this the podcast. The reason why we have this podcast. We have a connection on everybody here enjoys smoking cigars. So how did you get into smoking cigars? Like how long have you been smoking? Do you remember your first cigar? What does it do for you? And And, and why do you do it? Sure. Oh man, I was trying to think about this. I saw your your question. I I think it was my buddies growing up that we all hit a moment of like leaning more into this than like other things like binge drinking. Like we like like shifted from like like in our mid twenties maybe. I think it was living in New York City too. I lived above a whiskey bar in Chinatown for like a decade, and it's when I first got into like brown liquor and like just started coming to my own in terms of things I liked like. <laughs> which is brown liquor and cigars. And it, it's tied to show business because I look up to, from an entertainment standpoint, a lot of the greats from back that are, that are back in the day, the Rat Pack, all these guys, you know, uh, Steve Allen created the Tonight Show in the 50s, uh, Johnny Carson, Letterman's a big cigar guy. Like these guys were smoking on TV and drinking and just like having a good time. And I always like, cigarettes more actually, but I was always like interested in that era and what that was and that, that was aligned sort of with me getting into it. It was like, it was musical too. Like I'm a big jazz, like Sinatra crooner guy. And so I put, yeah. I play that all the time. Dean Martin's my favorite guy ever. He's like my biggest inspiration, uh, Dino, but I actually have a, my car's not here. I have a, like a Dean Martin, uh, <laughs> it's an air freshener that swings on my dash. It's so awesome. Sway with it's me? literally him like this. Yeah. Oh. He's just, no, it's just him. It's a, it's a picture of him. And he's just like, every time I drive, <laughs> But it's um, pretty ironic. He has a, he has a song. He has a song. Sway yeah, with me. Sway so, with me. So of I thought it, I thought it had yeah. to be uh, back and forth like it's that. It's exactly right. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> he's just swaying. He's still swaying. Um, so it was like that. It was like music and like living in the city and working in in the in showbiz and just it like all aligned. And then it became like 
a very regular thing. My father-in-law is off the boat Italian. Like we share it together. He always brings me cigars. It became like, and honestly, moving here, I think I smoke more now than I ever have because it's like, it's, this is cigar weather 24 seven. And we have a great, I'm at, I'm not in my house. We have a great little backyard area. So I'll just have people buy. And it's just like, it's become this casual thing. And I really think the other side of it is like being a dad now, is like there's only a few things that like you really get to have your moments of just like peace and tranquility and i think a cigar for me has become this kind of like retreat not retreat just like med- meditative enjoying exactly what we're doing is what i do with my buddies all the time and, and and girls whatever whoever wants one but it's like someone just said this to me the other day i did a, i did an interview over a cigar for nbc like a week ago yeah which the, was very uh, topical. was it king cigar lounge out in california right? yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i so saw that whole, yeah, it's with the comedian Guy Tori has this great documentary out on Amazon about um, the first black comedy night at the comedy store here uh, in the 90s. Really cool story, but I interviewed him about it over a cigar, and that's exactly what they were talking about. It's like a, the amount a, a cigar takes is like that block of time, and it is tied to me to old-fashioned because it's like we have our phones now, and we have all the stuff, and it's like when you have a cigar, sure, you might sit on your phone with your buddies a little, but like it's a moment in time that you could just enjoy and have that that peace and that that vibe and that i usually have music going and so it just became this like special thing to me and now i'm doing it like all the time here so i by the way because i'm a professional speaker i think all my answers are just super long on this show i'm just like oh this and this well, that's no, no, we, yeah, we, just, we enjoy, it makes it easier for editing I, I might say it makes it easier for editing on the video portion because i can just put it all on you i don't have to go back and forth so you can just <laughs> get away with it i just i just interviewed so many times when i'm being interviewed i just vomit i just go hey i love stogies here's why here's why but yeah it's it's uh it's such a special uh like moment for me when i get to do it and i just had one last night with a buddy you know now i'm here with you guys like it's just as you get older it's the finer things in life right like just enjoying and it's the moment it's just having the moment and and it's almost not not distracted like we're here together you know it's which is harder, I think, when you're a parent too. You know, you got to find those little times. Absolutely, as a dad. I mean, you said it. You you said it perfectly. Like we talk about it all the time here. Is that it's, it's a moment where you can be at one with your own thoughts. If you if you'd like, you could also be with your buddies and relax. But it's like that moment in time. I, I you couldn't put it any better. It's that moment in time where you just you're at peace. Like the world is crazy, especially in show business. You know, we're in a sales. It's constantly going, constantly going. Right. And you need that time to yourself to just kind of. I think Matthew McConaughey says it's kind of you can slow down the clock. Slow down, right? Clock. Right. Yep. You just kind of calm down, enjoy it, relax, and I, it's the cheapest form of therapy. You could pay one hundred fifty dollars yeah. for a therapy session or twenty dollars for a cigar for an hour. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> and you know, some of the what 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 inspires me is a lot of greats who have come before us and done big things in every field. Um, have these moments, like you know, before cell phones, and I read a lot of philosophy books. Don't ask me why. There's, this guy, Ryan Holiday, does a lot on like stoic philosophy, but he talks about figures in history. And one that's making me think of you guys is like this, this story about Winston Churchill, who before he was prime minister in World War II, he was like politically exiled. Like everyone was like, F this guy, he's not going to do it. And I'm probably getting it wrong if any historians are listening, but he had a little bit of a break before he became prime minister during World War II. And during that time, the guy just laid brick and smoked cigars. And then he went on to literally step up to the plate for the biggest opportunity in his life and career and change. And, you know, such a big historical moment in the war that he was prepared for it. And I think when he looked back on it, he was like, that was my time to prepare and have my thoughts and, and be with my family. And like, 
I think about that a lot with the cigar. It's like you may be missing your ideas or things you want to be doing or things in your relationships because you're not having this time. So I try and build it to a level where it's like, hey, maybe I will, you know, come up with something or maybe something. It's that space that we have less of in 2022. We don't have space anymore for that. So I like to think of those greats who took time, you know, and when I, when I lose jobs and when I'm unemployed, I think I'm just laying bricks like Winston Churchill. I'm going to do something else. Dude, that's, it's I'm great. A that cigar. You, it's great. You brought up Winston Churchill. Cause I mean, that's one of, we talked about that a couple of weeks yeah, ago. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago and there's a, there's a, a great movie. I'm sure you've seen it's called darkest hour. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was the same thing. The same thing is, is, you know, he was basically no, everybody said that you're a piece of shit, essentially. Like you don't right, know what you're right. doing. You have no idea what you're talking about. And he was, iconic saying no i know what i'm doing trust me nobody wanted to i know what i'm doing i know what i'm doing and he proved himself right but they actually have a cigar uh named after him called the uh well one the size churchill was named after him right but of course davidoff actually has a cigar called the winston churchill and then they have yeah. another cigar it's the same winston churchill but they call it the late hour and they named it after that because he used to smoke in the late hours of the evening doing exactly what he said sitting down, thinking, mm-hmm. and that's when he would come up with all of these great thoughts and it would be over a cigar. It, we, we were just, <clears throat> we did an episode on like, you know, celebrities and cigars and why they enjoyed cigars and... Um, Iconic know, cigar smokers and is it was, what we called it. We yeah. talked about Winston Churchill and Ernest Hemingway, obviously one of the best... Oh, nice. One of the best writers and obviously one of the most successful, you know, war legends, so... We always say, like we were just talking about, you know, you're one with yourself, you're one with your thoughts. And I, my, my take on, on it was, you know, the reason why Ernest Hemingway was such an amazing writer is because he smoked a cigar all day, every day. I so think he, they said it was like 20 cigars a day, wasn't it? Wow. Chain smoking. Yeah. Constantly. Wow. So he's constantly in his thoughts because you don't really smoke a cigar around hysteria, right? So <laughs> right. He's, he's a writer. So you only concentrate when you're by yourself for the most part, as long as I understand. So- you know, you open up your mind when you're smoking a cigar. So he becomes the best writer. Uh, Winston Churchill, you know, be- develops his plans and his actions to win the war. And it's all, I think it's all due to a cigar. So I always say, I, I like, I always I, say, wait, 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 uh, I always say uh, presidential debates should be yes. held in a cigar lounge because. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you guys are reminding me and inspiring me is a lot of times I try and I'm very communal with my cigar smoking. I like to make it like, hey, come on. Like my buddy who's here, come on, I smoke a cigar at the end of the day. But I need to be more in the habit, and I do sometimes just sitting and having that space by myself. And both times are special, you know. And there's just a certain relaxing thing that I guess in our our modern terms, it's like oddly self care, and it could be self care for anybody. Like it, it is. It is self care. It no is doubt, no absolutely. Doubt. And don't um, talk to a dentist. Don't talk to your dentist that way. But whatever. Well, yeah. that's funny <laughs> that you say that. So I I actually have a I, I have a <coughs> excuse me a question. I wanted to segue off what what. Uh, Eric was talking, but it's funny that you mentioned a dentist because my dentist I met in a cigar lounge, and <laughs> and it's funny because you know I was I was in the dentist chair and I was he was doing a, a cleaning or, or his hygienist was doing the cleaning or whatever, and then you know he comes in afterwards to kind of you know examine your teeth and see what if there's anything needs to get worked on or whatever. So I had asked him about uh like teeth whitening, right? I, I was like, hey, can you guys you know do you guys do teeth whitening or whatever? He says. He goes, yeah, no, we, we we do it, no problem. He says, obviously, you know, you get your teeth whitened. It's going to, uh, you know, it'll keep for X amount of months, depending on what your you know, habits are, depending on if you, you know, drink a lot of coffee, if you, you know, drink a lot of soda. And then he, under his breath, he goes, smoke cigars. <laughs> like, he kind of whispered <laughs> it, right? And then uh, 
I was found. I was like, yeah, well, you, you know, he goes, let me tell you this. He goes, four out of five dentists recommend that you don't smoke cigars. I'm that fifth one. <laughs> he said, <laughs> and that's why I go to you, my friend. That's perfect. That's amazing. So, yeah, but you- I wanted to, um, I wanted to segue off of, uh, you know, what we were talking about, how there's the iconic cigar smokers. And I think we probably already know the answer to this based off of our earlier conversation. But if you could smoke a cigar with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Honestly, I think it would be Dean Martin just because I can't, I just was the coolest guy ever. Um, No doubt. And I can't imagine hearing about his life and just shooting the shit with him, even if it was like just shooting the shit with him would be unbelievable. You know, um, I think it's either, can I do two? Yeah, of course. It's going to be him or my, my modern day idol is Conan O'Brien. So I'm going to say Conan who's alive because Conan, I feel like would be hilarious. And would be also, and it's not really a cigar guy, I don't think, but I would just say him too, because I go to so many historical guys, but I'd love to chat with Conan over cigar too. I'll say it here in case it happens one day. That'd be cool. Let's there you go. Put it <laughs> so actually, so speaking of Conan, there's a show. Um, it's a new show. I can't remember the name of it, but it is basically like a, a crime mystery show where- Oh, uh, Murderville, right? Yeah. Mur- have you seen it yet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I watch everything Conan does. I love him. There you and go. Because the uh, first episode was Conan, and I don't know if you know the show, yeah, but no, it's, I don't. They have they have a um, it's it's basically there's a murder. Something there's a murder that happens. Every episode is a new murder, and they have to f- and they're trying to solve the murder. And everybody has a script, except for the one person that they bring in is all Ed. Like has no clue what the script is, and they have to figure out who the murderer the murderer wow. is. It's great. It's and really the first fun. episode was Conan. Then they have like Marshawn Lynch and they have all these people. And it's just Conan was freaking hysterical. I'm like cracking up watching the episode because he has no clue what's going on. He has no clue. So he's just got a vibe off of everybody. <laughs> and it's yeah. hysterical. He's great. And it's fun watching them kind of break like a little bit because they're cracking each other up. Will Arnett is amazing. And that he's so funny. Um, yeah, I love improv too. Like it's it's uh, it's true to interviewing as well. The improv that we were talking about before, which is that show. It's basically an improv show. Now, do you, now, have you smoked with any, like, have you smoked or ha- like shared a drink with anyone that you've interviewed or you met that you're like, man, I could, I could get used to smoking cigars with this guy or this girl. Yeah. Over the years here and there, um, that recent interview stands out cause it was over. We actually met, uh, this comedian guy, Tori and I, we, we met before at the lounge and we're chatting about doing this interview. And that was a cool one because I, I'm still pretty young at stand-up. Like I started in college for one year and then I stopped for like a, a long time and then just got back to it like uh, right before the pandemic. So I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm forever a student of everything, but I still feel very young as a stand-up and he's a veteran who's been doing it for decades. And so I did sit down the first time and really enjoyed our combo off, you know, not filmed, just totally like picking his brain about stand-up and all the greats who he's friends with. I mean, he knows everybody. He's like boys or Chappelle and he's like, you know, so talking to people like that over a cigar is really cool to me because you're just in the mix of people you look up to, you know, and you're, you're taking everything. And like an interviewer, I'm just like forever inquisitive and, and kind of learning people's flow and learning what, what they did to do their thing. And I really like that one. Who else? I mean, I'm drinking with everybody uh, and not like famous. I just mean like I'm usually like, let's get a drink. Yeah, you know? no doubt. <laughs> I saw I saw I saw like a quick snippet on YouTube. You were 
it was I think before the pandemic. You were in New York City at the um, you did a quick segment, but you was like first time doing stand up right off the cusp or something like that. And you did yes. like a Mark Wahlberg impression it was actually pretty good. Yeah, that was hilarious. Thanks, man. That was what what got me back on stage. Was I did a segment with the New York Live on NBC, who I still work for, and I did a segment at Caroline's, which was like my yes. my favorite hometown club. And they gave me stage time at the end of that. And that reignited in me, like, I got to go back stand up. And that since that show, I've been doing it like consistently. So wow. it was like it, it, doing hosting led me back there. You know, you know, it'd be a, a, a gracket seat. You doing an interview, um, you interviewing him, him inter- interviewing you um, on the Joe Rogan podcast. Because Joe Rogan being a stand up comedian, just like you, yeah. Joe Rogan being a cigar guy, just like you. Uh, I think that'd be a very you know interesting conversation. I, um, I'm starting to see more and more celebrities yeah. on their podcast smoke cigars. Like yeah. I, I see Bill Burr smoke cigars now. Sure. Uh, Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. You know all these. Yeah. I see all these even athletes like Cam Newton has a podcast now where they all smoke cigars. And I'm. It's just. It's starting I, to be a little bit more um, trendy. Accepted, or, I guess. Yeah. Accepted would be the word because you know a lot of people. It's kind of taboo. People see you smoke cigars. Oh, it's disgusting. But now it's a little bit. More tap outside of the cigar world, look, looking in, like, let's you know, yeah. But you know, what's funny is I have asked certain clubs and I want to start doing this, and it's like I'm not at the oh, it's him level, like you know, Chappelle goes on stage with cigarettes and like it's Chappelle, I'm not at that level, but I have already gotten shut down at clubs because I want to start doing stand up with a cigar, yes, because it's just a it's just like a and you know, some of the greats do that, it's just something about it, and it's very much my vibe. and style i gotta stop saying vibe man i've been in la too long but uh <laughs> it's a vibe, vibe. it's oh, totally dude. vibe man i gotta stop i gotta stop some uh oh, damn i watch it. so I many myself. i watch so many shows <laughs> my wife put like makes me watch this show and it's and it's like a what do you call it a uh not a, a dirt like a dirt not a dirty secret um like something you don't oh, want people uh, to know guilty, guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure yeah yeah it's a stupid show on netflix called uh uh love is blind and there's one couple they just oh keeps, yeah it's a bizarre show but this they're interviewing or the talk they're listening to the couple talk and she's like i love this vibe this is such a yeah. good vibe he's such a vibe i'm like you gotta stop saying no word pick a different Dude, word everyone in la says vibe and they say tight and i'm like my my suits are tight my pants are tight <laughs> like the, this is not tight okay this is weird i'm leaving you know the new but, thing they say up here think, is bet. They say bet up here. Oh, dude, that's yeah. that's been around. They forever. say bet, but I haven't heard it so much. Everybody says, really? "All right, bet. All right, bet." Oh, I'm like, that's, that's been around since I was in high school. I mean, when people come to New York and they, it's cold, they go, "It's mad brick outside." And mad like, brick. They're like, "What?" They have the yeah. emo- They have the emojis, right? Yeah. They always that emoji meme that you see. It says only people from New York can understand it, and it's the uh, it's a skull. Then it's that peach emoji. Then it's the yeah. angry face, and then it's a brick, and it's like dead ass mad brick. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I have my buddy from Texas. My buddy from Texas, you know, he loves New York. So anytime he sees like a meme or a video referring to North Face jackets, Timberlands, anything, right. he just sends it to me. And he's like, he goes, Is this how people really think in New York? I'm like, Yeah, unfortunately. He'd be like, Yo, it's mad brick outside. Let me put on my Tim's. You get, I know. <laughs> you get the lingo. I, I, want to sound east coast forever i think i do because of my age coming out here but you you find that yeah it doesn't really go away but i gotta stop saying vibe if I, i'm gonna publicly say here i'm gonna cancel myself saying vibe from now on. i'm done with it i'm done with it you heard it here first this is a this is a great environment though 
you know? There we go. We'll see. I'll say that. <laughs> it's a great environment. I feel great. I like this person's personality. I'm digging yeah. it. Yeah, I'm digging it. <laughs> I'm enjoying the camaraderie, you know? Yeah. It's wild. It's wild how certain – and it's funny like certain words like that pick up and they they linger around for a few years. And then like I know like a lot in the rap world, I listen to a lot of rap. I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s with a lot of rap and I'll hear certain words that people use today that think it's like a, a new word. And I listen to like a ludicrous song from like 2002 <laughs> and he says it in the, in the song. I'm like, wait, he said that back in 2002. This word's not new to people. It comes back around, man. Oh. Just like bell bottoms. Oh, I, that bell is coming bottoms. around. That oh. is coming around. I've noticed that. You got. It's like men wearing parachute pants now. You know, everybody's wearing these big pants. I can't. You can't get behind it. Mm. Can't yeah, do it. I was never a fan. I was never a fan of that. Like the baggy, the baggy, uh, like the baggy suits and all stuff. Because we're like old school, like traditional, tailored yeah. fits. Not right. Not always. Not always. I was not always like that. I was big into the big baggy stuff. Yeah, I mean, I had Jinkos back in the day. Oh they were, my god! Do you remember Jinkos? The the three but quarter, the, the three quarter South shorts. Pole pants. Remember the South Pole pants? <laughs> Crazy. But the suit, the suit thing is has always been like tighter and tighter. And the one thing that's not traditional that people call me out on it's like you know you do the short short leg. Yes, it's been like a more modern thing that I do, and uh, old timers will, will give me crap for. Are you going through a puddle? You know, where are your socks? Where are no socks? Yeah, yeah. The biggest no thing socks, I see huh? from old timers now is that um, like with the loafers, the no the, the no show socks, where you wear like the really no the really low socks, and you put the loafers on, and you wear them with a suit. And they're like, where, come, where's your socks, man? I go, come on, this is the thing, right? It's like, it's cold fashion. It's a new thing. They, they look, they go, nah, man, you got to put the socks on. And my buddy actually wore it for his wedding. He had the the lo- black velvet loafers with no show socks. I'm like, that looks nice. That looks good, man. <laughs> that looks really move. good. And everybody's like, come on, you yeah. got to put the socks on. What do you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, one thing I noticed with you guys with the the Instagram page is that kind of old school. I, I I always wore suits in my career on camera, and I since. Past couple of years, I've lost the tie, but there's just something about you know dressing in a suit, wearing a jacket for this, or just for even when I go to cigar bars, a lot of times cigar lounges, I like rocking the blazer. Like it's just yeah. something I've, I'm actually most comfortable. Like I, I decided this year, I'm going back to the suit for for stand up because it's like I feel most comfortable like that. I just think it's like you're you're, you're presenting, you're doing something, and I've been hosting for so long in suits, it's just like become my comfort. Yeah, man. Um, absolutely. So it's really a front, you know. You just look more professional. You Absolutely, look like you got your shit together. A hundred percent. I do it all all the time. We we everybody asks. I go, why do you wear that all the time? Like, I'd rather be more. I'd rather be comfortable than look good. I said, well, I look good and I'm comfortable. Like this, yeah, right. I feel com- like it's if you wear it's uncomfortable. Like the first time, if you've never remember being a kid and you had to put your suit on, you're like, I don't want to put a tie on, yep. right? But if you wear it over and over and over and over and over again, you it becomes comfortable in you. I feel better in it. I feel yeah. more relaxed in it. And it's it's, it's a good it's a good. I mean, ever since you get custom tailored bespoke suits, shirts, pants, you can't go back to like go to Marshalls yeah, no. and stuff like that. No, and not everyone well, knows funny, that experience. Yeah, it's funny in stand up too. Like I go to these small. Sh- you know, I'm not doing huge shows at my level, but I'm you know you you perform everywhere, and people are like, "What do you?" You know, they would say, oh, nice suit. And they'd be like, you don't have to dress up. Like, they'll, like, rip on me yeah. backstage and stuff. And I'm like, this is just my thing. I'm just going to keep it going now. And it you makes know? you stand out because, like you said, not every, that kind of era where you wear a suit to work every day, suit and tie, go wear a suit to dinner, you wear a suit to go to CBS, that, that's not around anymore. So when you do wear, like, a, just a jacket even with jeans and they're like, why are you so dressed up? And I'm like, 
I'm, I'm, not. In, I'm in I'm in jeans and a <laughs> yeah. sports coat. Yeah, like the only difference is I put a sport coat on. Like I'm still in yeah. je- like most of the time, like you wear jeans and like either a, a sweater or jeans and a t-shirt, and you throw the the sport coat on with a little pocket square and kind of dress it up a little. People say you're so why are you dressed? I go I'm literally wearing what you wear. I just put a sport coat on. Yeah. Like I just I it, mean yeah, it backfires. The amount of times I've been introduced as like a real estate agent though. People, <laughs> people are always making jokes and stand up now with me. You know I what's also nice too is too. the. Uh, I like having a sport coat because I like having the inside pockets to put my yeah. phone in here and then my Clutch. wallet and the others. Like it's nice because then I, if you ever, usually I wear my phone like in my back pocket. Like right now, if I'm, I don't have, my, I just have a sweater on. But you put like the the phone in the back pocket. But then every time I sit down, I got to pull the phone out. But if I have a jacket, it's always just in the pocket. I never have to yeah. pull shit out of my pocket. No all doubt. The time. No doubt. We'll have to. We have to. Uh, we're getting our own cigar made. It's been in the works for about over a year. Nice. So it should be done. the The timeline now is April. Should be done. So when we get some cigars, we gotta send them over to you, so you can put them in your suit pocket, so you can have oh, them. Oh hell the show. yeah! Oh, I'd be honored. I'll definitely smoke that. How's speaking of? How's that Andalusian bowl right now? It's smooth, right? Flawless, flawless. Such a good cigar. Flawless. You know what I like about it too is to... it, it le- it's it's a long stick. Like I'm halfway through, and we've been going for over an hour. <laughs> it's really smooth. It's the best. I mean, and I, they actually just came out with a new size. I don't know if you saw that. I got someone sent me a picture who also loves the Andalusian bull, but it was like a, it was like a like a toro. You know, this is like this is kind of like it it gets fatter at the end. It, it's like a, it was just like a, uh, just like a, a super toro, and I thought it looked even better that size than this one. You know what's good about nice. too about the about the Andalusian bull is, is a lot of times. So this was rated. I'm sure you know it was rated cigar of the year. I believe it's in 2016. I think it was. Um, by a cigar aficionado and a lot of times is when a cigar gets that title the following years it tends to lose a little bit of its luster a little bit of its quality Mm. because the company can't keep up with because once it goes number one everybody wants to smoke it and then it they can't really keep up with it but this one along with like the oliva series v milanio when that was 2014 the following years it didn't lose any quality it was still good every single year yeah you know what? You just reminded me of that Oliva cigar was the first cigar I smoked. That that was the one. That was I a remember. question. That was a question we had. I what forgot. I forgot. Wow. Um, what a cigar to get it. What a cigar oh, to smoke to get into you. I know. Wow. Well, for I was so for years, I my only cigars I smoked were box pressed because I liked the way it felt. Yeah. That, that's a box press. Mm-hmm. And I would just go to cigar shops and just say, what do you got that's box pressed? And I would try all the box pressed cigars. That's how I got into it. I just remembered. And then I've since like kind of tried everything but box press to this day i'll still i mean no this one's this one's not box, a little bit i think that my father no it's not box press but it's got a little a little bit, bit of yeah a, Had, a little bit of a rectangular but i like the way it feels with the box yeah the box press the um, box press see. feels very nice let me see hand. i want to say one quick cigar story because you guys just thought of it and i think it'd be funny to tell you guys yeah. are you i'm gonna ask you a question though. are you close with your father-in-law is he with us yes your wife's yes yes how absolutely. about you yes Yes. Cigar smokers? Um, he will. Like, if I'm smoking and I ask him to smoke, he will. But he doesn't smoke, like, yeah, you know, every week or he, something. He'll okay. have he'll okay. have a cigar maybe, like, on occasion. I think I smoked a cigar maybe once or twice. And I've been with my wife for all together over eight years. So maybe once nice. or twice okay. we, we, I smoked cool. a cigar with him. Cool. Um, I'm lucky. My father-in-law and I are kindred spirits. He's off the boat Italian. We speak Italian together. We smoke cigars together. But the first night I met him, it was just, my wife was just telling the story yesterday. So it was top of mind. I, I just, it's topical. You know, when you meet the fa- future father-in-law, if you're just dating a girl, like I was just dating first, 
first time we were dating a few months. I meet the father, we go to dinner, and then we go back to their house, the in-law, future in-laws' house, and we go in the basement and he lights up a cigar. And so, like, you know, like a proper, you know, trying to honor the guy, I kept smoking this cigar with him, shooting the shit with him. And I didn't want to ever be done with mine before him. And so I kept <laughs> almost like when the mom cooks the spaghetti, like you never leave an empty plate, right? I felt the same way about the smoking of a cigar of the father. So I'm down there like this, right? And I keep lighting the cigar and I'm like down to the, like, I'm so low. I'm like here. To the and my, my wife comes down and she just goes, what's on your face? And I'm like, stop, stop, stop. And she literally wipes my face. She's my girlfriend at the time. She wipes her face. I'm like, stop. And my whole side of my face was burnt. My, my mustache was all burnt, all here. I'm like, nub <laughs> of burnt hair. Because I literally just kept lighting the thing in front of the guy. I was like, yeah, tell me more. I'm cool. I, you know, I'll, I'll respect Burning I'll respect your mustache your off. Yeah. I burnt half my mustache off. I literally smelled burnt hair the whole time. It was like, and he had no idea. And my wife saw right away. She said, what's going on? I'm like, don't, don't worry about Get it. Get out of here. And then later on, we always... We always joke about it now that like, you know, I just felt like I was trying to, you know, get the seal of approval. I had to, I couldn't like put the stick down before him or like before it was completely done. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to respect it, but it was funny because it was disgusting. I was going to say, uh, how did you wake part. up the next day? You're probably like, <laughs> well, yeah. And it was just like, I just like lost half of my mustache, but you know, it worked out. We got married and uh, him and I smoke many cigars now. And I, you know, I finish whenever I want. So it's easy. It's, it's good now. You did it, did it for the conversation, Funny. did it for the bonding. It paid, <laughs> off. it paid off. It paid off. That's all that matters. Man. Exactly. I love it. Well, listen, we are, we're coming down. We've been going for well over an hour and i'd we'd love to go for we could go for two hours. i mean hell i could just yeah, keep yeah. talking all day long um but we're getting down down to the time where we like to basically give you the red carpet to talk about you know the next thing that's coming out the big things that you're doing where people can find you on your instagram if you have a twitter if you have a website the floor is yours let the people know what what it's about thanks man um well first of all thank you guys for having me this is the first thing i've done in a while where i just like have a bromance with you guys on on social media and here we are meeting now we're friends so thank you for having me appreciate it um i appreciate having me uh honestly my social media is the best place to keep up with me it's just at paul Costabile, which is my full name um because i sort of post all my my clips there like some of my tv stuff some of my comedy stuff and i'll also post when i'm performing so come see me in new york I'll probably, i think i have a show in april in new york so Ooh. it'll be on my instagram i perform there quite a bit when I'm home there, what I still call home. And then the other thing is just keep, keep on my social media for uh, this new show. I'm going to be putting out soon. The pop-up show will be out and we're going to have a new YouTube for it, uh, which will just be the pop-up show YouTube. And that's like the biggest thing I'm going to start promoting in the next few months. I'm really excited about. So check, check those out and come see me live. I really, I really am trying to get better at live and maybe you guys can come out and we'll have a stick after something. Like I want to, I really enjoy doing stand up because I, get to meet people and, and, and get better at that craft. And so I want to get better at having people come see me, like come see me live. It'd be Most great. Definitely. Especially Absolutely. in the city. My, uh, yeah. my brothers are huge comedic, comedic fans. I mean, like I said, they, they see Bill Burr, Tom, I've seen Tom Segura, all those guys, Joe Rogan. So, um, if you do have a schedule or if whenever it comes out, send it over our way and we'll definitely, uh, try to set it up for April. Thank be you. Awesome. Yeah. And if you're... I gotta get to that. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I gotta get to that club in Long Island. Everybody plays. What's it called? The Paramount. Someone told Governors? Oh, is it Gover governors? governors? Maybe that's yeah. not Long Island. That's Governors. Governors is Long yeah, Island. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're well, well you if you're say? in uh, if you're in 
uh, Manhattan. You know, whenever you're here, we'll definitely, you know, we'll come out and see you. We'll have a cigar afterwards. We'll take you to, um, seeing as how you're a big Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra fan, we'll take you to uh, the Carnegie Club, which oh, is. Oh, my spot. There you go. We'll, oh, I know. We'll go smoke at the I Carnegie don't. Club. I was about to ask you guys um, about it because I go, I, when I lived there, I went like all the time, but now I go every time I'm in town, I'm there. Like literally every trip I've been back in New York, I've been at Carnegie. Oh, yeah. The, best. the same as us. That's our yeah. favorite. That's our favorite spot in Manhattan. Anytime I'm in there for whatever, you know, business dinners or Christmas dinners or, or any, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm going, I'm going that's to the it. Carnegie club. I got to work the schedule. I got to be there at what, you know, got to go. Same. I actually went last time I had a show. I was there after it's just, the, it's just the spot. It's so great. It's about it's the best vibe. It's the best vibe. <laughs> I like the atmosphere. It's nice. The atmosphere, of the ambiance is really, really nice. So, Paul, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you smoking yeah. a cigar and hanging out yeah. with us and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get you. Maybe we can reconvene in a year or so. See where you're at. I love it, man. And uh, it. Yeah. we'll get you back on. But. Listen, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you for having me. Keep up the funny stuff online, too. I'm always loving your clips. So Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. the support. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. So with that being said, Paul, again, cheers, salute, chin chin. Until next time, my friend. Chintani. Chintani. Oh.